Welcome to the Movements Podcast. This is Steve Addison. Today we're going to be hearing again from Jeff Sundell at the Community of Practice that was held in Sydney, April 2013. And Jeff's going to be discussing with the participants today what it takes to form new disciples into new churches. I hope you enjoy the program. Uh, some of them are house churches, some of them are houses of peace, somewhere in between. Uh, but Ray is just pretty much totally straight up. Get into homes, uh, wins people on the street, gets in their homes, starts gospeling them. They're either homes, being in coffee shops, just a variety of things. They do do a once a month gathering. They're trying that. And so they'll come together sort of once a month. But most of their stuff is just all in community and trying to sort of towards house church. Okay? So there's a, there's a handful of guys sort of going this way. Then there's sort of this in-between thing. I would put uh, James and David have sort of trans. Uh, they've got about 50 groups. They've sort of moved this way over this way. Then there's another thing. Um, Gary Stump still has a celebration service that meets weekly on Sundays. and But it's very different. You know, so... They have 64 groups. Um, everything's done in homes. They're in an upper middle class area. But they have this art museum they meet at. They're doing a service that's one third, one third, one third. The idea being that if they win people into homes and they have a participatory worship service, that folks will hopefully stick and they won't lose them. Because the other thing that's all over, all around us, is churches. And so sometimes when people come to Christ, they just naturally want to go to church, which is cool. But if they go to a church where there's no desire to make disciples, what happens to the folks you just spend all that time reaching? And just become oh, passive yes. observers of the Christian message. It, yeah, and it's a little frustrating. Frustrating. Now, I don't want to say don't go to church because that's not right. This is Christ's bride. So I can't do that. So our, our thing is trying to find a, a hybrid that allows folks, so it meets this felt need of wanting to go to church. Um, you know, and, and now the nice thing that Ray has is they actually also have a separate area, another area of town where there is another church, so they can actually sort of meet that need that way. But not everybody's got that. So anyhow, this is an interesting thing that's emerging with Gary. So there's about seven or, it's probably actually about nine folks giving that a go now. It's working pretty well. We, we haven't done well at it. We tried it at our church, and we, we haven't crashed and burned completely, but we're in the process of crashing and burning completely. <laughs> what went wrong with you, Jeff? What, I mean, this, you've seen what those guys did. What do you think was different about yours? I think our problem is we, we did this in the midst of a highly attractional church, Element Church, which is highly attractional. Um, low lights, like a nightclub. Huge desire, you know, praise music, very flying helicopters for Easter, dropping Easter eggs, you know. Plain shirt, um, plain shirt. Well, I wouldn't say that. They're, they they are into sweaty, stinky shirts like me too, and they have tattoos up their arms and things. It's, it's a variety. But um, the problem is, you know, we talked about this earlier, but Element has, it's, it's like having a, it's like living beside a tornado. So everything that you get near gets sucked in. <laughs> and and but nothing gets thrown back out. So we we would love to see a tornado and a hurricane coexist. It'd be the perfect storm. 
we could have people sucked in and thrown back out to do ministry, but right now we've not figured out how to do that. So at Element, we anyhow, a lot of we just we were trying to do this in the midst of Element's campus, and it hasn't worked well because people once they go to the attractional service, sure. we never get them back out. Um, and, you know, and so it's been a it's I don't know it's a, it's a little discouraging. If they would go and they would keep going out, I wouldn't have a problem. But they usually go and then they park and we never get them back out. Um, I'm, now, some people use the term disciple-making movement, you know, sensing the idea of um, we're not going to call these churches, we call them disciple-making groups, something like that. But the other thing where I spend most of my time, you know, is right here. We have traditional churches. So we have traditional churches now that are starting uh, churches that meet in homes. You know, so traditional Baptist churches, uh, quite a few. You know, Cody Pinkney, they've got uh, they got about nine, you know, that are somewhere anywhere from some believers gathered together to pretty healthy churches that meet in homes. And, and that's Desiring God Church, which is, um, that's a John Piper church plant. And so there, that's happening. Um, the other thing is we're seeing, you know, like some traditional Baptist churches who are, and this is the one where it gets confusing. We they're getting into homes, houses of peace, um, and then the idea is win them to Christ through, say, a discovery Bible study or whatever it may be. But then they essentially want them to come back into the church, um, but. From the top down, you know, as far as the leadership goes, the leadership is fully endorsing this, you know, from the, as far as preaching, teaching, pushing it from a strategy point. And so there's there's some of this going on. What, I just bring this out to say, this is probably one of the biggest things that's happening now, like Tennessee, North Carolina, Mississippi, South Carolina, is this. And... My problem is I don't know what happens to generational growth there personally. You know, I don't have any experience. Um, Andy Evans got to some third to fifth generation stuff, which was exciting as far as disciple making. But they all funneled back eventually into the church. Um, so this will, these groups sometimes will swell to 20 groups, and then they'll shrink to 30, or I mean shrink to three. But a lot of the folks end up back in the church. Um, that's good, but I, I don't know what that does to generational growth. So I, I just want to just sort of, um, I guess, be aware. I think this is where most of us are sort of hoping there's something new emerging, some type of a, a bit of a new wineskin that allows for sort of a tornado and a hurricane to work simultaneously with an emphasis with scattering, but celebrating during the gathering, but not letting the gathering overwhelm, overwhelm the scattering. And so, I don't know, we're hoping this might be something that comes out of it. What, what about, like, the cell church guys? I mean, they've been doing this for a while, like uh, Yi Chow and um, um, Larry um, Stockstill. Ralph yeah. Nader. Ralph, you know, because Tim and I were with Ralph, you know, years mm -hmm. ago kind of thing. They've got some stuff working here where they continually reaffirm the small group from the main group mm -hmm. and, like, they showcase... The cell, they don't get an individual, they get the cell up, they, what are you happening, what's happening in yourself? Mm -hmm. In the big meeting, always affirming mm -hmm. and sending. Mm -hmm. uh, 
just wondering if you've had a look at that at all. I, I know nothing about. I mean, I mean, this obviously some of this stuff looks much more like a cell church, but I, I don't know anything about as far as formally. These are okay. just churches that have wrapped T for T in their DNA, and they're trying to get as many people in their church sharing their story, Jesus' story, and making disciples. But there's no intention of ever making any of these churches. Um, nor, nor is it even clear if they're really trying to make a disciple-making group. See, the cell church is trying to get their people out, and they are wanting to multiply cells. Yeah. Yeah, in this scenario, I don't know, because you just have that. With new believers. With new believers. So, in this one, I'm just saying, I don't know. This is sure. These would mostly be very traditional, like, Baptist churches in this scenario. But there are some giving it a shot. Um, um, anyhow, so this this idea, that's where I'm putting sort of disciple-making movements here. I'm distinguishing a little different because there's really no intention of them being a church. But I know everybody's got a different definition for disciple-making movement. Um, and then there's sort of a little more of a pure sort of church planning movement and, and this hybrid. The potential problem on the left side of the equation is you'll end up with a lot of groups, maybe uh, there may even be a limit, but they're all like the, the central church is like the spoke, the spokes of the wheel. Mm -hmm. you know, they're all coming into the central. At some point, you, you maxed out mm -hmm. because they're not church in the sense that we're ultimately responsible for ourselves financially, for evangelism, for reproducing. And and so they tend to get drawn back into the central thing and not they may have trouble getting to second, third, fourth, fifth generation because yeah. everything's still got to be tied back in centrally. Yeah. Yeah. And but it's, it, it's still better than doing nothing. Absolutely. That's that's why than doing it's that. it's hard to you know it's it's almost like using T for T for a church growth strategy versus a multiplication strategy. Is if that makes sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And but do you ever find multipliers? So maybe eighty percent. It it's around the central thing, but then you you pick up a couple of people that can multiply without having to draw it back in. Does that happen? Well, you know, of this group, there's more and more folks open, shockingly, to plant churches that meet in homes. Yeah. So I think there's going to be more and more opportunities. I was at First Baptist Plano, which was a mega church, now runs about 800, and they're going, yeah, we're willing to start churches that meet in homes. So that's a, and now they're looking at both. They're, I mean, it's a bit of a blended model. You have them, they're willing to do churches that meet in homes, but they're also looking at sort of this house of peace that might come to Christ and then come back to the church. So it's a it's both and it's not it's not nice and clean. But I, I think we need to celebrate it also because I, I don't think we get into a dichotomy and say, you know, this is wrong or this is wrong. I, I think it's just I've never I'm not a church growth guy, you know, and so what I don't I don't have confidence that we can get to generational growth there. Anyhow, but I think it's there's still, this is where a lot of us, at least in the States, is headed. But, but I think the, um, the question still remains whether a church is committed to, like, the way that I got into the headspace I'm in now was because I was always looking for a way of reaching 
the whole of Canberra, you know, 350,000 mm -hmm. people. And I realised that if people just came to church, it had never happened. Yeah. A few people, it never happened. So it wasn't until I looked at the whole multiplication of disciples making churches yeah. and multiplying churches, I thought, no, this is a plan that can work. I can actually yeah. see how it can work. So, I, you know, it is, it is fair to say, yeah, it's great that new disciples have been made, yeah. but, but Jesus didn't say that we were just as... We have some nice churches, he said. We have to preach the gospel yeah. to every person. And so yeah. if there's going to be a commitment to that, sometimes you've got to say you can't be committed to that and to that. Mm -hmm. And so every church leader has to make a decision yeah. about what it is they're committed to because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to tell out. Yeah. yeah. Can I just ask another question about Andy, who was a pastor who uh, gave his people the option. You know, he told them, you're... Thursday night group in the trailer park, that's church. You don't need to come here. Mm -hmm. But most of those people came on Sunday. Yeah. Caused conflict with the small group of traditional members. They're about all dead. But yeah. So how has that worked out? Are they all coming back? And are, are you? Did I hear you say that that has stunted the generational growth that was happening? Yeah, Andy at First Baptist Spindale at one time ran 25 to 30 groups. Some of those would have been fairly healthy house churches. There's still some house churches left, but the vast majority have come back into the church. Okay. Now, now the interesting thing is the church, you know... He didn't when, encourage them back, though. He did not. He, he actually was trying to kick them out the door. They were running about 35 when Andy started. They would run about 140 to 160, I would say, right now. But most of those are people who were lost who came to Christ. And there was generational growth you know, there was some third to fifth, and some of the third to fifth is now in the church. So it's, you know, it's the, the you know, the trailer park thing, some of that stuff's still going on, but the 25 to 30 right now is more like three. Now, did the growth disappear? No, not really. It's actually in here. Um, anyhow, it's, uh, now he's buried about, he's, he's buried most of the original 35. I think there's about six or seven left. Were there any suspicious circumstances? <laughs> Not so far that we know. <laughs> what's what's what would be the problem in, in small groups becoming functioning as probably as churches uh, Wednesday night, Thursday afternoon, whenever it might be through the week? But still, as going to an established church on Sunday, that still would not interfere with them. In fact, they're just involved in two congregations. You might say Sunday morning, but also not a problem, church no. on Wednesday night or whatever. Yeah, Would, there's no real problem in that. No, no. As long as long as the leadership is pushing it, the problem we're having is leadership is pushing it, but the tornado is so strong, uh, sucking them back in. The hurricane gets wiped out. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and so what Andy's having to do right now, he's getting ready to make another push. To push people back out in homes, but now he's going. You know, maybe I just need to kick over and go here, because he's 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 sort of tired of doing pushes, and then the you know you know they got good music and you know people like to come in and hang out together, but then they get comfortable and then they stop doing what they were doing. So it's if if we could find a way, it's just so far we've not seen a way to do it. I mean, at least us personally. Yeah. The other question I had. The early last year when I talked to Neil at Element Church, mm -hmm. 
they were calling all their group, you know, all groups were transitioning to T4T, calling them T4T groups, but what they found is they were still very much in a traditional mindset. They weren't really living out the principles. Mm-hmm. How did that, what's, what's the lesson from that? Well, it, it's, we, we, we started a hybrid service, and we have groups here, but essentially all of the church that we were trying to get into two for T for T <coughs> gravitated down to the other campus. You know, so they're they're avoiding this. Where they're someone wasn't here. bothering them about living. Yeah, where this nobody's kind of bugging them. Obedient, disciple kind of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So this is sort of back to now. Now the we have added to it by winning people to Christ and in discipleship groups. But our thing is maybe we just ought to keep them in the homes rather than even have the temptation of this, because the temptation of this is it sucks them down here. They're within a hundred yards of one another, so they there's just this. Thing that just draws them in, and um, so would you say that? And I'm sorry, I, I missed what Gary's doing. That seems like it might be working, mm-hmm. but it sounds like there's a fairly consistent pattern that when people get into a Sunday congregation, it tends to minimize. It's not easy to do both conceptually. Yeah. There's no problem with it, but in reality, am I hearing you say that it's not really working that well? It so far hasn't now. No, this this has just been really it's expansion contraction is, is all is the best way I describe it. So we get we have a push out and then there's a suction in. And we, and we just can't seem to get the perfect storm going both ways at the same time. Um, and um, you know, I hope we figure it out. The nice thing about Gary's is these folks who come to Christ and there's church buildings littered, you know, through the community out here. And so people look at it and go, you know, are y'all not telling me the secret? Am I supposed to be going to church? Is, is there something you're not telling me? There's a bit of suspicion, you know? So by having this, they came to Christ through Discovery Bible Studies. They came to Christ through participation. They came to Christ in a place where they got to talk and ask questions. Now they're going to service where they get to talk and ask questions. There's participatory and there's worship and things like that. So this is enough different. It, one, it allows them to be part of this and we don't screw up the DNA. Um, two is it, it sort of alleviates this tension so they can go here. The other thing is the attractional folks who are coming to see church or coming to church, they look at this and go, ah, let's, uh, let's go back up here. You know, so it's sort of repelling them. One of the interesting things that Bill said last year when he talked about this thing about where you put church formation within the short-term discipleship process. And he said, you know, churches tend to multiply where cell groups and home groups and stuff don't because of they take responsibility within themselves. And he said, also, he said he puts the church formation lesson fairly early in the short-term discipleship so the people in the group know where this is going. Yeah. And they begin to self-identify that we are church, and then they begin to identify, here's the things we need to yet integrate within our life together, and we'll, we'll be church. Mm. Which, that's why I, when I rewrote my lessons, I put church formation at session six mm-hmm. in the short-term discipleship. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not getting that far often, which is another problem, but I still think that's the right thing to yeah. do, at least in theory. I think that might alleviate some of this itchy feet, hey, should I be going to a church? Mm-hmm. When, you know, you know that, well, this is this is really where we're heading, but they don't know that yet. 
Unless, of course, you do that lesson. Yeah, it, see, seven commands of Christ really is church formation because it's really all of the commands are moving towards church formation. And then we would go straight into the, the nine elements of a healthy church. So as far as I'm concerned, we have everything pointing towards church formation, but it still hasn't alleviated this. Yeah. And I... Uh, um, and here's my, I personally do not, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not, I can't say the right word. I'm not willing to vilify Christ's bride. It's his, you know, it's his bride. It's his, it's his bride. It's what he called it. And I know there's a remnant of very solid believers who love Jesus in those. So I, I can't vilify them. And the only way right now that's to sort of, you know, sort of stick in this model is to vilify this. Yeah. You know, so you're in a bit of a tension. So we're going to help other people grow their churches, which is frustrating because it hurts generational growth. Um, I, I'll tell you one thing I did, and I'll send you the lesson that we're trying that's different. Um, we have added a lesson, and we do four stories. We do the story of um, Peter's... I'm sorry, we do the story of Matthew's house. We do the story of um, uh, Cornelius' house, Lydia, and the jailer. And we ask three questions. And we ask these early on, because the House of Peace, we had to do this in Asia to help clarify for the House of Peace. So we ask three questions. Where did they meet? When did they meet? And who met with them? So where did... Levi meet in his house. When did he meet? Dinner. Yeah, dinner. We it's not exactly what time, but there's a, there's a meal, there's a dinner, something like that. But it doesn't really specify. What about um, who met? Disreputable sinners. Yeah, a bunch of sinners came, right? <laughs> and, and Jesus was there. Now Cornelius, where did they meet with Cornelius? In his house. In his house. Yeah. Who? When did they meet? When Peter arrived. Or meeting before? Yeah, Probably day and night. It's, it's not real clear, but they they met. They we don't know when. Who met with them? His whole household. His whole household. Families, servants, workers, uh, maybe other soldiers. Yeah. Um, Lydia's house. I, I'm sorry, Lydia's. Where did Lydia's place meet? River and then the house. Okay. Verse 40, you know, clarifies the house. Um, when did they meet? After the river. Don't know. Yeah, exactly. Who met with them? Her household. Household. And maybe some of the believers. Purple. Purple dot. Paul, after some initial um, feeling uncomfortable, in his team went to stay with them. Yeah, verse 40. And, and some other new disciples, that we don't know how they got there, but they got converted. They came into that also. Uh, the jailer, so where did they meet? His house. His house. When did they meet? After the fight. Very early in the morning. <laughs> who, who met with them? His household. His household. household. Okay. That's three questions. You there were five Four stories, three questions. Four stories, three questions. Then we would. Then what I'm asking now with believers after they look at that. Okay, where do you need to meet? In the home. Who do you need to invite? Family, friends. Anybody can come to the refrigerator, right? When do you want to meet? Or when are you going to meet? You set the time. So, anyhow, that's what we're going to try now. 
And so we're not trying to vilify this. We're just pointing to the New Testament, not authoritatively, just arguing for house church only. We're just saying, when was the new, where was the New Testament pattern for meeting? Who met? And when should we meet? I don't know. That's going to be, that's going to be our attempt to try and figure out how to deal with this. But I, I'm, I don't know. I've been, this is, this is my next, uh, we're, we're giving it a go. It's, so far, it's worked pretty well. And, but again, I can't say conclusively. But I, I like, um, it, it, it's from Scripture. It's pretty straightforward. It's really simple. It's leading reinforcing. Questions. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a leading question. I object. He's leading the witness, Your Honor. No. Well, I, but I could point to about 16 passages on that if I wanted to. And I actually put them in the lesson down at the bottom. But it was just trying to say, where could we meet, when could we meet, and who could meet. And it definitely emphasizes oikos. I like that. So, See, the other thing, like Acts 2, it talks about the church meant house to house and in the temple courts. So they had the big meeting in the temple courts, and then they went house to house and broke bread and so on. So the church paradigm was... We need a big meeting and we need a little meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got this two-wing bird idea. Mm-hmm. And, um, you don't kind of do one at the expense of the other, but they both interact and affirm. Mm-hmm. One of the things I suspect is that I can't preach the word in the way that I can from, say, the pulpit in the, in the house. We're together, we're discussing. And I wonder what, don't tell anyone else this, but I wonder whether there's some deficiency in some of my disciples because they actually haven't had the word preached, thus saith the Lord, from the front. So... You know, yeah, I don't know. And then Acts eight one came. You know, so it's uh, and it never happened again. So Sorry, it's, Acts eight, eight one persecution. Go away. Yeah. Persecution. They, they were, were they went back in the home after that. Yeah. Never went back they to the temple. Meaning for very long in, in the, the temple. temple. Yeah, and it doesn't happen anywhere else. No, yeah, never happens yeah. again. That's evangelism. It's never talks about the church meeting. There it talks about. Paul synagogue evangelism, yeah, yeah. Probably in the in the uh, last part of the day when no one else wanted to use it. <laughs> and I mean, you could say that they met in the, in the temple courts for apostolic teaching, which the Bible would represent also for us, because but we don't even know in the temple courts whether it was one big meeting, whether they yeah. really would have been three thousand or whatever, <laughs> or whether it was groups. Because the temple courts was a meeting area. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. a yeah. sit down in congregations place. Was it Hillsong? It would have been. It would have been. Anyway. Anyhow, we're going to give that a go, even, even with these guys. Up a room you had. Um, They're meeting in a. Not, maybe it was. A, well, anyway. So, anyhow, a lot of these guys are really, I mean, they're pushing to do stuff that meets in homes. So it's, it's, not a, it's not an issue from the pastor's leadership standpoint. It's an issue because of, this is out here, do I need to be here? Yeah. I think it's important for us to maybe say, though, but probably here in Australia, that's less an issue than it is in the U.S. Because people have less of a bias to going to church on Sunday. So it's probably not as big an issue here because yeah, yeah. many of the people we reach aren't itching to get to some church building on Sunday. Yeah, I reckon that's absolutely right. Yeah. And they're more rebellious anyway. New believers, though, who their background is Chinese communism. They've been in the country maybe for a year and they've said, well, when do we go to church? 
So you can still get it. There's oh, still, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but I don't really get it with Aussies. Just with straight up and down Aussies. Um, Jeff, would you be able to send through that? I will. Yeah, I'll send it to if Steve. I get beside his thing. I'll send it to Steve, and then we can set it out. It's yeah. guaranteed. We'll need to use it somewhere along the way. Yeah. Well, we're just adding. We're tacking it on the end of the seven commands, and we're tying it into church formation. Yeah. So it's actually going to be our lesson before church formation now. Um, and we're going to we're also starting to try to teach the oikos and the house piece closer together because I think I created a bit of a dichotomy in America between the two and we're trying to sort of bring them back a little closer because people are trying to make the house of peace way too complicated. House of peace is just where's the spiritual hunger, join where God's at work and gospel them either through Romans Road, Creation of Christ, Discovery Bible, I don't care. If there's spiritual hunger, just join God. You know, so we're just trying to we're going to try and simplify that because it's it's created a barrier for a lot of our our folks, especially you know church folks. Um, can, can I ask a question about house peace? Mm -hmm. How have you seen people um, uh, interpreting fleshing out? Stay in that house. Don't move from house to house. Man, I don't, once folks understand the house of peace. They have had no problem staying in there. It's just getting them over the mindset that possibly they got to do something in the home has been the hard part. But, you know, man, Clint took to it like, you know, just total love in it. Man, Kevin, my dad, I mean, everybody can think of once they get the concept, it's, it's not been an issue. It's more of getting the concept. But most everybody's really loves staying in the homes. Actually, sometimes it's hard to, you know, dynamite them out of the home because they tend to stay too long. but um, So we haven't really had a problem with them staying in. It's just been getting them in. and But that's just my, our, our experience has been more of that. Um, except for Neil. Neil. You know, Neil, our pastor, doesn't stay long, very, we can't get him to stay six weeks anywhere. You know, he's just sort of here and there. But um, Neil, Neil's, uh, we've got to work on Neil to stay in there a little longer. But he's a busy guy. He probably shouldn't be doing all the house of peace stuff. But, so far, we've not. We're, we're telling everybody nine months to three years in a home, and that's not been a so far been an issue. It's been harder to definitely move them out. After these nine months to three years, what happens? Well, by then they're pretty one. They've either multiplied. Now the other thing we are doing is we have some of them that doesn't look like they're ever going to multiply. And we're gathering them, like Clint's got four groups in one area, all within 100 yards of each other in homes. And so they're gathering into now one house church that's going to rotate meeting in different homes. And they get along well. It, it makes sense in that particular area for that to work. So I think that's going to work out okay. Um, so there's a couple of the guys that are going to multiply out definitely, like Nick and Kayla. Um, some of the others, I'm not so sure they're ever really going to multiply. They're really, they're, um, there's a lot of stuff, you know, like we've talked about alcohol and drugs. And so they're, they're going to end up getting gathered in a group and there's going to be more of a caring over them. And then they're getting tied into some um, things like that. But that's one thing we're looking at doing is combining some of the groups so they're a little, um, a little bigger or a little, a little more stability in that scenario. So it's not just one or two. So that's, that's one thing we're trying. 
Um, so, Jeff, what's um, sorry, what, what's a good size for a church? Three. We're we're seven to fifteen is pretty normal for us. Asia would have been fifteen to twenty five. But right now, we're, it's so new in where we're at, we're, we're more in. There's a few, you know, like Ricky's, I mean, um, yeah, Ricky's place where they got real big. Mickey's place got quite big, but most of them, 7 to 15. Most of the homes, we're talking about those mill villages, more than 10's a push in most of the homes, you know. Our house, we will run 25, so. Um, People can find the house. My house. Well, it's a little different with my house. Yeah, I'm, I'm hiding. Um, my house is in camo. I'm a, any any other questions on that? But I'll, we we've just begun. When I go and talk to the context of the traditional church, I talk to them about disciple making movements. Um, again, because I don't want to throw away Christ's bride. That's not my job. So I, when they ask me to train them, and then also when I train them here, I probably I teach them envision. And then I teach them who to share with. I teach them a gospel presentation and discipleship. And then we talk about disciple-making groups. Um, and then I wait for the follow-up to see if we can go to church. Um, but my thing is right now, I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to sort of overwhelm these guys at least with getting more people sharing their story, Jesus' story, and making disciples. So that I can get back in there and maybe influence them towards church planning. But I, I just don't know, you know, right now. Some desiring God is definitely planning churches. So that's exciting. And they're having an influence overseas. And, and so if we can keep having desiring God successes, you know, with what God's doing there, that's a good thing. And so we get a couple hundred of those, and that's going to be a really good thing. Is John Piper on message with that? Yeah, they've sent folks down to check us out a couple times. So they've mm-hmm. sent elders down. And sat he's quite a peanut for, boy here in Sydney. Yeah, and, and they're, they're keeping an eye on what we're doing, and so they're 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 trying it in a couple places. So with the ethne, they're they're doing this up in their area, um, but right now, no, they're fully they're sort of they're pretty well behind it. Um, we haven't had any pushback majorly. Yeah, Jeff, I just wanted to clarify something. So, say say you have a, a church of of twelve. And over the nine months to three years that that church has been, maybe half of those people will go and start their own church or something, mm-hmm. and the other half will just be part of that gathering. Other people might join that gathering, or that that gathering might die. Is that, that's the picture that I get. Is, is, that, yeah. is that kind of what happens? It, it could be any one of those three. I, I wouldn't yeah. say any... It's hard to ever say a house church. I, well, I don't like to use the word die. They don't die. They, a lot of times they transition or reorganize themselves and move places. Um, you know, so like if you go back here, and now right now it's still there, but if you were to go to Rebecca's house, yeah. and did Rebecca, if you go to that location, is it gone? Yes, it's gone. Uh, Rebecca moved to Florida. And now she's tied into a work in Florida where we're doing tea for tea. Um, her mom right now doesn't want, she, she never bought into the gospel, never came to Christ. Right now does not want any part to do a discovery Bible study. The rest of these, though, have gathered together into one group. And then Nick and Kayla, it, 
looks like, you know, that he's got a group going um, with his dad. And we're trying to get him to get a group going at the racetrack. We'll see. You know, but Nick's, Nick and Kayla are definitely going to multiply. Um, but then some of the other folks, they're going to right now just probably be more attending or so being part of the group. It sounds quite fluid. Like yeah, people, people can move between gatherings yes. quite easily, and it doesn't really... Yeah, if you were to talk to Kevin when we, we did it, one of the interesting things that we have seen, this is a surprise, we didn't see this in Asia, we see in America, we have people that attend multiple groups a week yeah. out of pure hunger for discipleship. Uh, so like Kevin would be in seven, eight, nine groups a week. Um, and now he starts numerous groups and he's, he's trained a guy named Ricky who started 20 plus groups down in Chesney. I've, I've had nothing to do with Ricky at all. Ricky's a mill worker and has done phenomenal work. They started other works other places. But these guys, a lot of them bounce around to a lot of groups, and then they don't have any boundaries as far as denominations and boundaries. That's where it's messy, you know. So, um, But I, I, don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. They're, they're sort of cross-pollinating, learning from one another, but they're also <laughs> encouraging one another. But there's a lot of that goes on, and... Nobody encouraged anybody to do it. They just did it. If I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to say I'm like a wet blanket, but um, I'm just struggling with a couple of things. Mm -hmm. I sort of like to start from a theological base. And um, historically, church has been defined by a number of things. Mm -hmm. We're talking about how people from a whole lot of different perspectives are talking mm -hmm. about church. Um, and one of those things, you know, when Paul went out in front of the church, how do we define a church? Well, obviously he appointed elders in that place. Mm -hmm. So when I understand an elder, someone who has the ability to teach the scriptures, the authority to be able to teach the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So for me, a church is someone who's got an authoritative person who can teach mm -hmm. the scriptures, an elder. The second thing that happened in the churches in the New Testament, as far as I'm aware, is this issue of discipline. So the elder then is responsible for teaching mm -hmm. and then maintaining discipline that people who are in the group. The third thing, I think, um, in traditional churches anyway, was that church was somewhere where they could celebrate the sacraments. Mm -hmm. However, we understand that, but certainly there was baptism in the And, yeah, so those sort of three elements, I think, are really important. Mm -hmm. For me, historically, as I think theologically about the church, mm -hmm. I was wondering how that ties in with some of your thinking about the <coughs> church, particularly the, the sense of elder and authoritative teaching, teaching the word. Yeah, I, I mean, the one thing is you're, you're, you're taking a snapshot at the church yeah. at a point in time. Yeah. And, and you can't, in this, you can't really take a snapshot. I, we could take a snapshot right now. And right here, and it would look different than it will a year from now. So the way I like to look at it, if you were to think of a acorn, you know, so you got this little acorn. Now, what's the acorn have a potential of being? You know, an oak tree. So are are many of these groups, you know, full blown? You know, that doesn't look very much like an oak tree, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> that to be an oak tree. But, uh, <laughs> it's it's because it's yeah. pink, you know. It's, it's an American oak. It's an American oak. It's, it's a pink oak. Yeah. Um, yeah, somewhere in here there's a oak tree. Yeah. So 
you know, I think what you know, you're taking a snapshot of even in right there in the New Testament, you're taking a snapshot of a point in time, you know, where that church was. Now, if you would, you know, you look in Acts chapter 14, and it says that he went back and appointed elders in the church. You know, and, and Paul or Luke could have said, we pointed elders in the fellowships or in the preaching points, but he didn't. He said this group of believers that was an acorn was a church, but he appointed elders into it. And, you know, it, it depends on your interpretation what you think of that. I'm, you know, for a Baptist, that's a thumbs up, thumbs down. I think it was local folks appointing an elder, thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs down. If you're from the top down, you're saying these people from the outside appointed the elders. We can argue as long as you want on that. I'm, you're not going to change me, and I'm not going to change you. Um, you know, that's just sort of, that's ecclesiology, how we choose to make those decisions. We have a myriad of ways of doing that within this room, and, and that's fine. You know, we, we have four views of how ecclesiology, how the church functions, and, and that's no problem. So the only thing I would say is, yes, we, in the long run, if it makes sense, we want to see elder types or elders that are managing several churches. Because that's really more what we're looking at, is there's an elder who's probably over numerous churches, these numerous acorns. Now, if there gets a point where they're moving closer to an oak tree, we, man, and they want to have a building even, praise the Lord, let them get a building, you know? And we would help facilitate that and be totally on board with that. I'm not so much concerned about the issues of point, but I think we're moving from Acts into the, the epistles, really. Yeah. And teaching and thinking in terms of really that whole role of teaching and, and Paul mm -hmm. is very clear about what are the uh, characteristics of an elder or mm -hmm. his ability to be able to teach. Yeah, yeah. It's just whether you're going to get that on day one. So yeah, when, 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 I think that's what Paul did. He went and appointed churches, yeah. he appointed elders. And yeah, we, we, well, we, we appoint elders. He, We're totally into that. Absolutely. But he didn't always appoint elders on day one. There were no. churches that didn't have elders. Yeah. yeah. Um, when when Peter left Cornelius after two days, it was yeah two days. I'd say they were church, but there were there would I would be surprised if Peter appointed elders now. Cornelius probably stepped up, functioning a role, though. and Peter or one of his workers would have circled back and at some point, working with that congregation, formally recognised who were elders there. But I think they were a church before they got to that point. And most of the New Testament churches, if they were, most people lived in tenements in high rise, so you could fit about eight to ten people. And I, I think most of them, there would be multiple churches that that an elder or a group of elders were responsible for. So you may not have even found, you know, in our local house church meeting in this house or this room, that there'd be an elder there, but there'd be an elder in the city that was taking some. So I, yeah, I, I think I don't know that you could say something's not a church till it's got an elder, because but, the. And the your guys who are making starting a, a fulfilling a function an apostolic function yeah, they're, they're elder role that in, in in other words the congregations are not without correction and teaching yeah it's just like when Paul's thrown out of Thessalonians it may be a while before they can't necessarily be there every week and and the listen this one here disciple making movements. 
they are definitely functioning without an elder. I mean, as far as in the local group. The elder is the under the umbrella of the church, you know, because that's definitely these. This one here, uh, they have elders. They have elders. They are, they are absolutely 100% appointed. Gary does his over groups of 10. So an elder would oversee 10 house churches. And they wait, and when they're ready, they raise up more elders. That's how they chose to run their ecclesiology. Now, I'm a Baptist, so I don't mess with people's ecclesiology. That's one of the Baptist sort of tenets. But it's an easy cop out of a, you know, of a wet blanket, right? So I just said, ah, you know, I don't want to answer that question. But it's really how they organized themselves and chose, because they're trying to figure out what's this look like in America. And we don't know. We know we don't necessarily need an elder type in every single one of these groups, because um, this is a pretty blended approach. This one, these guys are still working through this, but they, they have some elder or elder types, definitely. They have way too many theologues in there. That's the one thing I could tell you, because they, they draw in a lot of CIU guys. But they, one, they're getting some direction from uh, Riverbend, and they have, Riverbend has appointed several elders among this house church network, and then this house church network has freedom, as they see. And I'll tell you the other thing is, you have sort of two views on the, you know, well, two scriptural things. You have Thessalonica, um, or Macedonia, where um, they appointed elders fairly young elders, or younger elders. You know, and the, the qualifications between Titus and Ephesus are just slightly ever so different, but just a little bit different. And you get the idea in Ephesus, you know, of course, Paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus, so his time with the elders, he had a lot more time with them. And so he could appoint much more mature elders because he was there for three years. But you go to Thessalonica, and he's there three Sabbath days. Now, he leaves behind people to disciple and minister. And so they appoint elders, but they might be a little younger. We're looking at in the scenario we're at right now, we're saying we're, we're, we're Ephesus. We don't need to be in a rush to, because we have pretty good elders and leadership. And so we don't need to be in a rush to push them in, in that. But Desiring God Church, when they're looking at this Chinese house church of 30 people, they move fairly quickly to appoint an elder or a couple elders. They're doing a plurality of elders. So now they're still connected in an oversight sense to Desiring God Church. Um, but they've definitely worked through the elder issue. They're, they're, now, they're more of an appointing elder than a, than a thumbs-up, thumbs-down elder. They, they come about it a little different even being Baptist. Um, so the only one that I would say the exception of this is is, is the disciple-making movement. There's not elders in the sense of the how in the churches meet in homes, but it's really because the church has never intended to be. Yeah, but all the others are definitely using elders. It's just sometimes they're overseeing ten groups instead of just one and waiting to see where God works and then, as it makes sense, appointing as needed. So, but with assuming that uh, surely from the word from day one, if there's a group of people meeting in a home, there would be someone who would be recognized as the leader of that group from within the group. Well, first, first is us. Yeah. Because yeah. we're starting the group. Then we're working to raise up leaders, and it usually is pretty apparent who that person is. But I'm not going to rush to appoint somebody as an elder in that scenario, because I would rather wait and one see if, it, if if I got five people there, I don't need an elder. 
I'm, I'm essentially the de facto in that scenario. Now, if that group grows and it gets more complicated, then we're going to start, we start needing an elder type. And again, it sort of depends whether they're tied into a network or not. And um, so you got to, me, I would rather go right now, I'm, I guess we're saying let's move a little slower since we don't know what this looks like in the States. And, and it's all very new. So we're trying to look at the New Testament as closely as possible, be guided. Um, but yet we're not quite, we don't want to over, I don't want to have to say every single one of these house churches has to have an elder, you know, versus trying to figure out what the structure looks like, just slowly, I guess. Yeah, Jeff. So when, I, when I'm looking, when I'm reading, like, in my story, it, it feels to me like just about every Christian who has who can start their own group has a potential for leadership of that group. Mm-hmm. And I've always, it's always sort of um, conflicted with this other idea that um, there are certain people in the body of Christ that have the gift of leadership. Um, whereas I, I feel like when I'm reading the Yinkai thing, every Christian can has potentially got the gift of leadership. Um, like I don't know if other people feel like that and what we're just saying about. No, I, I think what he's saying is everybody has the ability to obey the Great Commission. Everybody should be sharing their story, Jesus' story, and making disciples. And so a lot of these groups are, you know, they're disciple-making groups. They all need to be doing that. Everybody has the authority to be doing that. Everybody has a responsibility to do that. Now, again, when you come into qualification of who can lead a group, your scripture limits who can lead a group. And now it's up to your interpretation. But, you know, again, my interpretation would be it would look quite Baptist. And it's going to be, there's going to be a limit of who can lead that church, that group. So you think those initial groups that form around the person is it's a discipleship group, not really a church yet. And so the, yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't say that. I'm saying an acorn. I, I, th- I don't, yeah. Paul, Luke, never called anything less than a church, a group yeah. of gathered believers that were baptized, discipled. He always called them a church. The, the question is, where is the snapshot on the way of what we're doing? Because right now, you know, tonight we're taking a snapshot of some of what's going on in the States. A year from now, it, it could look it'll look vastly different. <coughs> and so there may be more elders here. Uh, maybe some of the churches rearrange. You know, so that that's does that make sense? So I just think we gotta, you know, again, you're thinking process and and what we're what we what we usually take a picture of is the maximum of what is a church instead of you know, sort of back here we're looking at the minimum. And of all of us are somewhere on this continuum. And, and we're just taking a snapshot of where we're at. Now our goal is healthy church. The oak tree. 